online today. We say good morning to you. Uh, this morning, our dear lead pastors, Scott and Claire, are still on their break. They're uh, refreshing and praying and learning and, and getting ready for the next ministry season. Uh, but during this week, we get the amazing Pastor Sean Lorridge that will be speaking with us. So we're always excited when, when we get to hear from him, and uh, he teaches us all kinds of good stuff. So this morning, um, as always, whether you're here in the room or whether you're online, folks will be receiving communion together. Um, so for uh, our friends that will be receiving in the room, you'll see it up front and also in the back. And then also, if you're at home, make sure that you get a moment to get some bread and some juice, whatever you have. everybody all right so our call to worship is going to be from psalms 19 um, verses 1 through 2 and you can read with me god's glory is on tour in the skies god craft on exhibit across the horizon madam day holds classes every morning professor knight lectures each evening their words aren't heard their voices aren't recorded, but their silence fills the earth. Unspoken truth is spoken everywhere. God makes us a huge dome for the sun, a super dome. The morning suns, a new husband leaping from his honeymoon bed. The day breaking sun, an athlete racing to the tape. That's how God's word vaults across the skies, from sunrise to sunset, melting ice, scorching deserts, warming hearts to faith. The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold, yes, with a lifetime guarantee. <laughs> yes, the decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. God's word is better than a diamond, better than a diamond set between the emeralds. You'll like it better than strawberries in spring. Better than red, ripe strawberries. Okay. All right. So we will now sing, say our prayers before communion. At the corner of justice and kindness, Jesus came, our brother of hope and grace. When the world would dismiss us, he welcomed us to build in God's kingdom. When others would toss us overboard, he reaches out to pull us to safety. When the forces of sin and death threaten to overwhelm us, he has already overcome their power once and for all by dying and being raised to new, to new life. As we gather at this table for communion today, we will find him in our hearts even as we proclaim our faith. Christ died following God to the very end. God raised him, restoring him to wholeness. Christ will return to guide us to God. So here at the, cor at the corner of fears and doubts, we come to your table. 
where the Spirit blessed the bread and the cup and all those who are in this place. The bread is the gift of life, sending us to plant gardens and wastelands, to offer a bouquet of faithfulness to the lonely. The cup is the promise of hope. We would all share with all who wander in despair. And when we gather in that place where you pass by us on the way to prepare the great feast, we will sing our songs of joy to you, God in community, holy and one. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples to celebrate the Passover meal. He took the bread and broke it, and he said, This is my body broken for you. He took the cup and he raised it and said, This is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. He invited us to continue in this tradition, and whenever we eat or drink, do so in remembrance of him. So together we say, and you can repeat after me, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, Jesus we, we remember, remember you. you. You can come up for communion. Amen. Prayers for all who loved our Bobby Sims. I am shouting your praise from the highest mountaintop to the heavens above. Please bless this process and journey. I am filled with love and thankfulness. Thank you, Father. And prayers for the Snyder family and all who love our Jack. Prayers of complete healing of Trisha's cancer, Lord. Prayers for Stephanie and her family for peace and comfort as they mourn the loss of her sister. Prayers for April as she starts a new job. Praise God for our healthy, beautiful new granddaughter. Praise God. Prayers for my dad and my precious children and grandchildren, Lord. Pray for my dog. She is constipated. <laughs> Love, peace, gratitude for God's grace. Thank you for keeping me safe when I hit that deer Friday. I'm so sorry to end his life. I want my sister to come down from Texas to see me and my parents. Please wrap your arms around her. Provide her with understanding and peace. Guide her through this, Father. Prayers for Amber Griffin, Mom, Carmen, and her kids have peace in their hearts. Lord, I pray for friends and family. Thank you. I pray for my family's happiness. Prayers for people struggling with depression and anxiety and addiction. Lord, we ask in this moment that you would just wrap your arms around every single person that is feeling any of these feelings and let them know that you are with them, that you are right there with them in the journey, no matter how dark it is, God, and send someone to them to show them your love. Please pray for my son. He remembers that his true worth comes from God and not what others think of him. Prayer for, prayers for my husband's pain. 
prayers for anyone that doesn't know you as their savior. Triple digits, no rain, fires in Texas, Lord have mercy. Lord, pray for all the families that are out there. Prayers for Justin, Nicole, Caden, Corbin, Katie, Abby, and Lilia. Can we take a moment or two and say good morning to some friends and some neighbors, whether it's giving them a hug or shaking or waving across the room, not shaking just hands, not, not shaking. But let's make sure that, uh, that we're kind and loving to one another. We say good morning and, and just give a blessing to our friends and our neighbors. We're reminding one another that our God is good and wonderful and stronger Oh, so much love. Well, and as we, uh, as we say good morning to one another, let's get ready just to prepare our hearts for the offering. Uh, when we say prepare our hearts, we, it's just because we're giving with, um, with joyful hearts, not a compulsion, not because we have to, but because we realize the goodness of the work that we're doing together. Uh, and then we'll also pray for the kids as they get ready to go upstairs. They're going to have an amazing time upstairs. I, I can see that big fella, AJ. He's getting ready to teach. So you know it's going to be a good time up there. But let's pray together first for our offering. Uh, and today you can give uh, into our offering in the baskets up front or at ccmonline.org slash give. Uh, and you can even text uh, the, the amount that you want to give to the number 84321. But the most important thing is that we pray together and that we know that God's work continues in us, through us, and through this church. So God, we thank you today uh, as we give into this offering. Uh, God, we know that it's one of these things that helps to join us together. Uh, it reminds us of the work that this church gets, gets to do in this region, throughout the state, and throughout the world. And so we give today with grateful hearts, knowing that it gives uh, to the continuing work in the food pantry, uh, that it gives to the continuing work in Haiti, and to every kid in this church, no matter what their our age might be. So God, we thank you, and we give with grateful hearts. And we also pray for uh, each child today, pre-K through eighth grade, that are getting ready to go up to kids' church. We pray um, that you bless them with peace and love joy today and that you bless them that you bless every teacher everyone working with kids today and uh god let them their hearts be filled with joy as you fill our hearts with joy today in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit we pray and everyone says amen so you can bring your offering and kids and parents you are welcome to start going upstairs hello um, I'm here to let you know about our Next Steps news. I'm Stacy. I'm on the pastoral staff here. I just want to let you know if you happen to be new or newish today, uh, we would love a chance to get to meet you. Um, our Next Steps kiosk for information and for anybody who's new can come over there. We'll meet you and we have a gift for you, send you home some info about the church. Or if you're online, you can go to I'm New on our website and you can connect with us that way. Um, let's see, I do not have the list, so you'll say, thank you, just put the slides up. <laughs> um, tomorrow is our food pantry distribution, so if you'd like to help um, be part of that, just arrive anytime around 5-ish, and um, Peggy will give you a job to do. Um, if you're in need of food assistance, we'd love to help you. You can arrive anytime from 5.30 to 7.30, and we would love to help you out with that. 
And after service today, we're going to do a little um, quick rearranging of the room. So please, uh, if you can have a few minutes. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> if you have a few minutes after service, you can um, help us and rearrange the room. That would be awesome. And um, you can skip over the save the date and go right to the next one because I wanted to let you know about our, I don't know if you noticed that when we called for children's church, like half the room went upstairs. So I'm excited. We've got so many kids coming and our ministry team met this summer and we have decided to create a new program this fall called CR Youth. And this is for middle and high school together. And so we're just going to have this amazing new program. Um, if you are interested or want more information, um, we have flyers on the um, kids' check-in desk on the way out. It'll tell you all about the cool things we have planned for this fall and how we're going to minister to this amazing group of young people that are here. And the first thing is our uh, kickoff camp. So you don't want to miss that. That's coming up. Um, so if you want to go to the next slide, the September 16th. Oh, you got it up. Brilliant. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Thank you. Um, you don't want to miss this fall youth camp. It's um, a special program at Grace Adventure Camp, and it's just for our group. And it's going to have all kinds of adventures and team building and some great messages. So it's $49 per student. Um, and if price is a problem, just let us know because we'll, we'll help you out and make that happen for you. Um, and you can sign up right now at ccmonline.org events or click that QR code. It'll take you right to the registration page so you can not miss out on that for 6th through 12th graders. And then lastly, um, we have our Haiti School Box pro project going on. Um, and right now, we typically would be collecting school supplies, but it's not safe to ship them in country right now. So we're collecting finances instead that we're going to send down, and our leaders in country will purchase all the materials for the kids this year in country. So if you can help out with that, just click the QR code, or if you go to our website under the Give section and click and select Haiti School Box, you can give any amount, and that will be so helpful this year for the school year. And don't forget, we do have a couple last great togethers this summer um, coming up. So if they're on the um, table on your way out, or if you can go to our website and join in on the last couple on these last days of summer. So that's what's happening at Crossroads. Well, good morning, everyone. Bless you all. I appreciate you coming today. I, I pray that uh, the message I have to share with you guys uh, ministers to you. The Great Together series has been just wonderful. Appreciate all the people that have shared and have come and walked out and those messages. Very challenging, very uh, encouraging, and life-giving. Uh, Kathleen, my wife Kathleen, is not here this weekend. She is doing God's work, and she's teaching at a woman's uh, retreat in Grand Rapids with her very dear friend, our dear, very dear friend, Sister Mary Dean, and Compassion. So she'll be back next week, and she will be sharing next week. So I'm looking forward to hearing my wife's teaching. She's a really good teacher. I'm not too sure about her student, but she's a really good teacher. Um, I got my uh, Vanderbilt shirt on. Shout out to my grandson, Ezra. He's uh, playing football and attending school in Nashville. He plays in the SEC, and uh, I'm very proud of him and all my grandkids, as you are. But I thought if he's listening today, I want him to know I'm thinking about him. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, 
as a spiritual father, a pastor, a founding father in this house, my desire for what I have to share today is that it will bring help, healing, and encouragement to all of us. I pray diligently about today's message. The question asked is this. What goes on in us when we experience trauma? When we are trying to forgive those who have hurt us in a relationship or life, and all the while knowing, keeping, obtaining God's promises for our lives. Specifically, my hope is that all of us can say one day to those who've offended us, don't be afraid. Am I in a place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I have forgiven you. Some of you may know this story in the Old Testament. Some of you may not. I suggest you read more after today. If you don't know it, it's very detailed. It's written in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. It's about Joseph. The reality of Joseph's life battles and the parallels of our own. The psychological mental struggles, trauma, and for some of us, major trauma, physical torment that is endured at times, and the broken heart we find ourselves in as human beings on a day-to-day basis while in relationships. All the time knowing we are the beloved of God, therefore much like Joseph, We have the potential to save lives or destroy them. (laughs) I tell my children all the time and my grandchildren that this is very important for you to know. What you do today, how you respond today, will affect your children's 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 children and everyone else's. Amen? Everyone else's. While we are alive, the opportunity is always present to allow the calling of God to be fulfilled in us or go awry. Our ability to be healed in our trauma by ourselves is, for the lack of better words, most likely impossible. We need others to help us. We need more than any other thing God's Spirit to continually heal us in our journey. That's why God's word is true life to us as we walk out the practical applications on a day-to-day basis. Some of us experience offenses on the highest level, and it seems like they come at a greater rate in life, some more than others, but pain is pain and trauma is trauma. It's for real for all of us. Hopefully we can glean from Joseph's life some of the supernatural abilities that he walks in continually seeing God in all his life's experience, the good and the bad, never losing sight of the promises God has spoken to him years, years before they come to pass. Genesis 37, verses 2 through 10. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report 
about them. Now Israel, also known as Jacob, you know, Sam taught on us earlier, right? Israel, Jacob changed, he wrestled with God overnight. Sam shared earlier in the series. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of its other sons because he had been born to him in his old age made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out of the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said to him. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And they're like, oh my gosh, this guy. Holy smoke. <laughs> And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to you, to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. We'll go back to the life of Joseph in a minute. But I want to mention this point. We are God's beloved, called to do his work with our lives according to his plan and will for our lives. We are required to do it in a way that emulates and demonstrates that the spirit of God lives in us. This is not easy all the time. I know I've shared this before in my message on suffering, but it's not easy all the time. It's like I feel like when I share the scripture in my teachings, I, I, I say it a lot, but it's a fact that Satan desires to sift us like wheat. I believe that hardest, most difficult calling a human being has for this life is to be a child of God in a broken world. A person who understands his or her calling while all along being aware that the devil does too. Did you ever think to yourself when you read the Bible, Wow, that seemed pretty easy for him. Abraham believed God, so it was counted as righteousness unto him. Right? Or this one. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. But the reality of those statements is the incredible amounts of faith and trust and forgiveness and trials of suffering and victories it takes throughout each of those lives and other people's lives that occur. It's just not in one sentence. Let's put this into real time. Several years of living, several years of successes and defeats, and all the emotional, heartbroken, life-living that went into it. Abraham faced many fears, difficulties, almost sacrificed his son, almost gave his wife away as his sister because he was afraid of another human being that he believed would kill him for her. Not to mention, he slept with his wife's handmaiden, Hagar, from which Ishmael comes, because he did not believe God could do it in him 
with his wife, Sarah. The Bible says in Hebrews, Abraham believed God, so it was counted as righteousness unto him. Hmm. When Jesus makes this statement, destroy the temple, this temple, and I'll raise it up again in three days, we forget about the fact of reality that while he was in the garden, Jesus is sweating blood, crying out, and begging his Father in heaven to take this away from him, knowing all along that he was born to die. And his buddies, they're over there sleeping. This is the greatest battle a human being has ever faced. His psychological understanding of what he is about to go through is immense. He is 100% human. God help me, please. We forget that. These scriptures are some reason short of what happened, and they don't really give you the detail of the process. But being human ourselves, we can begin to recognize and fill in some of those spaces that maybe are there. There's more to the story because we have experienced betrayal and offense and difficult times and heartbreaks sacrifice for others maybe God is using this Bible to help me, encourage me in my times of living life here on earth have you ever been there? have you ever been there? we forget these Bible figures were and are real human beings not just stories written long ago that the individuals spoken about in the Bible have emotions Fears, dreams, and desires, and experience real life like us with a long process of successes and failures, trials and tribulations, offenses and trauma over years and years. None of us just arrive peaches and cream. None of us. It takes a lot of living and all the heart and mind battles to choose to forgive and believe through the ups and the downs and the, I don't understand why this happened to me, and along with, I don't have the capability to forgive them, nor do I want to. That's the realistic life we live in. However, never losing sight and always hanging on to the hem of God, garment, Trusting he will always be there for us. Always believing we truly, truly are his beloved. Believing the scriptures that say he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And he sticks close to the brokenhearted. In practical and in honesty, some of us have experienced a feeling of we don't even know if he is around at all. That's the truth. I'm here to speak the truth. Back to Joseph. What do we know about Joseph? Is his brothers hate him. They could not speak a kind word of him, verse 3. And all the more hated him, verse 5 and 8. And they were jealous of him, verse 11. As the chapters go on, we learn that his brothers conspire to commit murder against him. Verse 19, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him. 
throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Joseph endured being lied about, forcefully assaulted, and stripped by his older brothers in humiliation. Threatened to be murdered, thrown in a dark, dirty hole, sold to a bunch of banded gypsies, and most likely forever being removed from his father's presence and any other future he may have with his dad, Jacob, and his little brother, Benjamin. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him after all. He is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. Holy smoke. Huh? What a family. That's really nice of them, isn't it? By the way, just so you know the Bible history, they sold him to Ishmaelites, whom, by blood, are his great-grandfather Abraham's children, which is, and which are his cousins, the children of Hagar. Man, what a family. Wow. Bunch of good people, huh? You guys don't have family like, do you? That's a different message. And as we travel through his life story, Joseph is sold again. This time bought by Potiphar, the chief captain of guard of the Pharaoh of Egypt, and then put in a place of honor. Second in charge in Potiphar's house, and then boom. Accused of assaulting Potiphar's wife when, in fact, he was assaulted by her. Verbally, every day. And physically, until he runs out of the house. Right? Chapter 39, verses 6 through 19. And off to prison he goes, verse 20. Boom, just like that. What we continue to read about Joseph's life is that it's incredibly difficult. And incredibly blessed. Incredibly difficult. And incredibly blessed. As you learn of his life story, you realize this guy is always getting the raw end of the deal in the most prosperous times of his life. It's like, how's this work? And all the while, the Bible tells us the truth. The Bible tells us the truth about him. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. But what we don't read are the daily details of his life. The fear of being molested or raped or killed while imprisoned and being a slave. The doubt Joseph faced on a day-to-day basis of wondering if he had really had those two visions of sheaves of grain and the sun and the moon and the stars correctly interpreted by himself when he was only 17 years old. Maybe I missed God. Maybe, maybe it was a joke. What do you think? Lord, maybe it was a joke. Maybe my brothers were right when they called me a dreamer. Joseph probably said, Lord, she she lied about me. That old cougar lied about me. I had to throw that in there. (laughs) Kathleen's going to talk to me later about that. I did what was right and ran out of the house, and now I'm in here. What's going on? Right? all the hopes in his heart he carried, maybe, starting to dwindle away. 
while he sat in prison for two years, two more years after he told the cupbearer his dream, and it was fulfilled, and the cupbearer promised him he would get him out. However, Joseph was forgotten. I wonder on a daily basis if Joseph, like myself, had these kind of angry thoughts and battles. Man, if and when I get my hands on those characters, my brothers are mine. I'm going to blankety-blank blank them. And they're going to know who's boss. You know what kind of faith and strength and trust and mental practices, spiritual disciplines and love it takes to believe God's word for you when you are age 17 to 30 and you spend a majority of that time as a slave, get falsely accused of sexual assault, put in prison, along this time of life, all along, obtaining and retaining the fact that God is with you. Using your life according to his plan and blessing people who forget you. You ever bless somebody and they forget you? Huh? You've been there? Some of you know. Some of you know very well what I'm talking about. And what it takes to keep your heart and your mind right before God. Most of us have had some really bad things happen to us. That's the reality. Or to someone we love, it's traumatizing. When you look at it, the the definition in the Oxford Dictionary defines trauma as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. A personal trauma like the death of a child, emotional shock following a stressful event, or a physical injury, which may be associated with physical shock and sometimes lead, this is important, sometimes leads to long-term neurosis. This is what I want you to hear. The event is relived with all the accompanying trauma. That's a reality. And Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, what Jesus is saying is every time that traumatizing experience you have had to endure and your memory comes after you, Sean, get rid of it before you lose your mind to it. How do I do that, Lord? Psalm 61. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Amen? It has been 13 years since Joseph, his, since his brothers did that to him, and he finally gets out of prison at age 30 after interpreting Pharaoh's dream vision. Not only that, but when he comes before Pharaoh, Pharaoh says to him, and this is important, I heard that you can interpret my vision and dreams, and in Joseph's humility and faith, he says to the Pharaoh, no, sir, I cannot, but God can. So Pharaoh shares his dream with Joseph, and Joseph is given the interpretation by God and tells Pharaoh that there will be seven years of crop abundance and then a famine will hit the land. Therefore, during the abundance, take a fifth of the harvest annually, every year, and put it away for seven years of famine. 
verse 37. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials, so Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom the Spirit of God is present. That's an important principle. Remember that. Not only that, but he says, Pharaoh says to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. Right? Now, here's a guy that was thrown in a hole. Do you understand what I'm saying, the reality of it? You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people, and they will all submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And it says at the end of year seven of abundance, there was so much stored food that they can't even measure it anymore. That's a lot of food. And by the way, I want to talk to you about what a fifth is. I'll do a message on it later, but I want to tell you what a fifth is. Okay? A fifth of the harvest annually is 20% of 100%. Some of us struggle or withhold a tithe, which is 10%, due to lack of faith or belief or trusting God that he'll take care of us for his work here on earth. That's a different message, like I said. But I will say this, I'm going to say this because I love you guys. I love all people that are called to do God's work. The importance and the magnitude of tithing, financial giving and supporting of the church and the world, the work that God has called us to, it costs money to save the world. It costs money. Haiti, the children of Haiti, we're going to educate them. We're going to feed them. The food bank, all the ministries we function in, safe place, sexual assault services, CAC, Child Advocacy Center, Human Trafficking Task Force, Spiritual Direction, having a church building to gather in on Sundays like today and provide ministries during the week, paying our staff, etc. That all costs money. Just don't happen. Just don't happen. I encourage all people to trust God's promise of pressed down, shaken together, running over Luke 6, 38, and give their financial resources where God tells them to and how to. There's a Jewish statement that goes like this, and I'll be done with this biblical principle of financial giving for the work of God for now. Oscar Schindler Oscar Schindler, who saved over 1,300 Jews during the Holocaust, who was a Nazi, <laughs> has it inscribed on his headstone where he is buried in Israel. And it says this, whoever saves one life saves the entire world. Profound. All right, Joseph is now two years into the famine. Bear with me, folks. Joseph is now two years into the famine, feeding the entire world, not just Egypt. And he is now 39 years old and fully in charge of Egypt. 
chapter 41, verse 57, and all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. And out of the blue, his brothers stumble into his palace doors begging to buy some food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered, this is important, because all this emotion, all this, what am I going to do when I see these guys again? Because God promised me. How am I going to respond? (laughs) Out of the blue, they just pop in. Then he remembered his dream about them. And he's wise now. He's not 17 anymore, blowing his mouth off. He lived a lot of life of humility and blessing. And he said to them, you are spies. You've come to see where our land is unprotected. He orders them to be put in jail for three days, and he hears them saying, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we would not listen. That's why this distress has come on us. And Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He's pretty smart. Right? Pretty smart. And the reality of all these emotions, he's listening, and it's like he turned away from them and began to weep. But then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. That, folks, is an incredibly wise response to many years of loss, pain, being forsaken, trauma for Joseph. I believe Joseph needed time to process this situation because he needed these three days to pray and beg God for mercy for his brothers. He's got to pray for his enemies. Huh? You've been there? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) He's something else. Huh? All the emotion was too much. Too much for him. All those years... Do you know that 22 years went by, to be exact? Now it's here. Now it is here. I believe in his flesh he wrestled with killing him. But it was that dream God gave him. When he was a 17-year-old boy. Now this day was before him. It was that truth that Joseph knew God promised him. Principle. Principle for you and me. God promised me. The power of life and death is in his hands. Joseph's very wise by now in his life. And he has them put to the test a couple of times, still not revealing himself. 
You've heard me teach this. I've taught it. I've said it. This is a, a life principle that you need to know. Those of you who have suffered and have been traumatized, you need to understand what I understand. And this is it. Forgiveness is given, but trust is earned. It is earned. I'll forgive you for my sake. Right? I don't want to lose my mind. Right? I don't want to go crazy. I don't want this thing just nipping on me all the time. It's like, Lord, help me. I forgive him. That's the reality of life. That's a practical practice. It's true for my sake, but I don't trust you. (laughs) Why do you think I sit out there every week with a gun in my pants? I'm not just a security guard here. God has called me to protect you. I don't trust people. I'll forgive them, but I don't trust them. That's the honest truth. I'm not paranoid, but God called me to protect you. He gives him a test, and he has him bring him back. His little brother, Benjamin, because he loves Benjamin. And I want to see him. And when he does see him again... He is so overwhelmed for the last 22 years he hasn't seen. He doesn't even know his little brother's alive. And he has him bring him back, and he's so overwhelmed with emotion, he runs out, composes himself, washes his face, and goes back in, serves food to him. Now he's got it. He's on the other side of this thing. Now he's, he's using wisdom. He's on the other side. You've been there? They eat and drink freely. I love this part of the scripture in this. It reads, and I, it, again, it's, it's, it has a, a financial, spiritual, what, what, it just, it's awesome. I love this part. It reads that he gave the youngest brother, Benjamin, five times more food than the others and drink too, right? However, he treats them all with mercy. I'm going to treat you all with mercy. And finally, in chapter 45, Joseph can no longer take it. And Joseph leans forward. He says to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold to Egypt. And now, don't be distressed. They're so scared they can't even speak. They just can't believe it. That's their brother. The one they sold into. They are so afraid that he says to them, don't be distressed. And don't be angry with yourselves. (laughs) Let's be honest. That takes a lot of spirit of God and self-control to do that. But he's, he's beyond it now. He understands fully what God has done in him and for him. For everyone else, angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land, and for the next five, there's going to be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth 
to save your lives by the great deliverance. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. Fulfillment of prophetic dream. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? No. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide, this is beautiful. This is, this is, this is beautiful stuff. It's like, I will provide for you and your children and your children's children and their children. And then he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I'm going to wrap this up. We might ask a question in light of what we've experienced in our life. All the traumas, the pain, the victories, the beautiful gifts from God, how he's saved us, how he's loved us, he's given hope to us, continues to do that. I want to ask this question. How did Joseph do that? Pretty plain and simple. It's pretty clear in the scripture. There's two things that are very clear to me in the scripture. There's more, but two very clear. Spirit of God was in him. He clung to that. He knew it. He, even in all the struggles, he never let the Spirit of God leave him. Never. And the second thing was, he never forgot who he was to God. What God had showed him about his life. He hung on to that. Today I say to you, remember, don't let the Spirit of God go in your life. Cling to what God has spoken to you. You are the beloved of God. In Christ Jesus, you are not an accident. I know you've been hurt. I know you've been offended. I know you've been traumatized, and I know you've been blessed. God wants to use your life to bless people, to love them, to help them heal. Huh? Listen, this is not an easy word to hear. I know that there are people in here who have a lot of pain in their life. I've listened to the stories. I've had pain in my life. But what I'm going to tell you is these two principles will make you live through anything. And on the other side of it, it will be peaches and cream. It will be the saints standing in the white robes, Revelation 7 verse 9. And raising their hands up and praising God. That's for you. That's my promise. I keep, I keep it right here all the time. And I have other promises that I keep right here. My son's going to be right next to me. My dad. The people that have gone before me. The people that will go after me. My children's children's children. Your children's children's children. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord God, for everything you've done for us. Thank you for 
loving us. Thank you for going to the cross for us, facing your fears, knowing all along you were going to die for us. I pray that your spirit will continually dwell in us, Lord, that we can emulate your spirit in us here on earth, that we can be hope to people. Lord, I pray that you would help us to forgive, to help us get through the trauma of offense, that we would see your promises always in us, dwelling in us, abiding in us, knowing that you're in control of our future always, knowing that we are his beloved. Amen. Real quick, some book recommendations and... um, Donald closes with some music. I want to say thanks, you guys, blessing us. Good stuff. I really like that last song, Tanika. All you guys, beautiful, prophetic. Three books that I've used in my life a lot. Story of Corey Ten Boom. Uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I've read them. And What Happened to You by Dr. Bruce Perry. Not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you. You might be able to see that in a different light for people. Give you a little compassion. Kathleen's going to talk more about it next week. But it's important that we see things the way God sees things. What happened to you? Not what's wrong with you. Amen? God bless you guys. I I pray the Spirit of God just hover over you every day. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening.